everyone. Welcome to Hubshots, episode 233. In this episode, we talk about being wary of marketing stats, the importance of accurate conversion tracking, creating companies automatically in HubSpot, deal change history and service survey reporting. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks and strategies for growing your sales, service and marketing results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? I look good, and good to see you across from my desk, except on the other side. It's kind of throwing us out. I know. It feels very odd. We've changed position after many years. Yeah, I know. We're just looking at each other differently as, <laughs> as we record this episode, and it's surprisingly... Refreshing. Refreshing. I was going to say unsettling, but... <laughs> Refreshing is a much better word. <laughs> so, the question is, are we on the right side, Craig? Or are we looking at your good side? That's right. <laughs> Do I have a good side? But anyway. Now, on to our growth thought of the week, Craig. And let's talk about checking your conversion tracking. And why is this important? You should check that your conversion tracking is correct. How obvious is that, Ian, right? It's so obvious, right? Yet, how often do we check it? Here's the problem. I'm pretty sure we, uh, most companies or market managers, they set it up initially or they've got a new campaign. Oh, here's a new landing page. Thank you, page. Great. But do they go back and check them, you know, as things change? Answer, no. Most people don't. I'm guilty of this. I'm sure you're guilty of it as well. Many of our clients are. Anyway, we ran into this problem with a the client. They've actually just started a big campaign, Google Ads, spending a lot of money. And I would kind of asked, is conversion tracking all set up? Oh, yeah, I could see all the goals set up. Anyway, it came about because their conversion reporting compared to what one of their, um, they were using Captera for advertising, what that was reporting was different. And so I started diving into it and I found all these old goals set up, URLs that are no longer there. And in some cases, conversion tracking that used to be a pricing request actually was now just, they visited the pricing page. So it was just a page view essentially, shows intent actually, so not totally useless, but not at all the conversion value that they thought they were reporting against. And so my point is hopefully obvious from this that, you know, start of the year, well, it's it's February now, but, you know, a new year time to just check the basics, make sure they're all in place because when you're spending big money, you need obviously the accurate reporting. So before you go spending thousands, just spend a couple of hundred bucks in terms of hourly time value spend, checking all your conversion setup. I couldn't agree more, Craig. We've just gone through this process with a lot of uh, customers. And one thing that was highlighted to me, the things that we've missed. So certain things like they had numbers on their web page that weren't clickable and weren't being tracked. So missed opportunity for us and just making it easy from a user perspective, if they're on a mobile device to click that number and call you. Just really simple things like that, even addresses not being clickable onto a Google map to actually see where they're located or how to get there quicker. Just simple things like that. And you're so right. You'll find all of these conversion actions that are either not working, out of date, or need really to be updated. And I would suggest that should be a part of your checklist in a campaign that when you're launching to check all the conversion goals and the actions that go along with it. Because increasingly marketing is becoming a profit center. And so there's a revenue line item attribution, really. That's the way marketing is going, as it should be. And I almost feel that there should be a net new revenue line and then a net saved revenue line because companies will happily spend to start a new campaign or a new initiative or a new asset or let's get some leads coming in but they're very reluctant to spend money checking that the old stuff is still working and is accurate. 
And that's an opportunity cost. So it's almost like opportunity cost profit line to be reviewed. And there, there almost needs to be incentives around that. And that's the problem. There aren't incentives in most companies for that. So anyway, food for thought there. And one last thing, the better you have this set up, and we know a lot of platforms now optimize on data that it's getting, and the better data we give it, the better it is can self-optimize based on machine learning and AI. And I think that's important. We often forget that that's a really key part of the optimization process. So have all of that in place. On to our quick shots of the week, Craig, and uh, we've got more HubSpot themes which are different to templates. Yeah, rolling out App Marketplace, so check those out. Um, the, the move, I think there's still confusion with people's minds around themes versus templates. Themes I certainly are, agree. Themes are the new. Themes include templates. Correct. Yeah, so anyway, check them out. They're building that out. And listeners, for those of you that don't know why you would want to use a theme versus a template, so often a lot of people that build themes or templates update them because they make them better because they find bugs, right? Now, when in the old system, which was the templates, every time they'd update and you wanted an update, they essentially had to copy another file across and create another version of this. In a theme, they can update the theme files without having to copy everything and creating a double up of an essentially a template. So that is the benefit, keeps it all nicely packaged together. There's also, uh, speaking of the app marketplace, CMS apps. So they're really pushing the whole uh, CMS line. Uh, have you seen this one, Hub LMS? There's no, a whole I saw that. Learning management system. Yeah. I saw that. I was quite excited by that, actually. Yeah, I, I haven't actually checked it out yet, as in purchased it or played with it, but just gone through their demo. It looks pretty good. It does. And then we've got a final one where we can add data Google Sheets from workflows. This is really interesting. I was just starting to play with that before we started recording, so I haven't actually got real uh, experience with it yet, but it's very easy to set up and yeah, it looks really good. I could just imagine what the use cases are, Craig, and we'll have more about that later, listeners. All right, onto our HubSpot marketing feature of the week, Craig, and this is about automatically creating associating companies with contacts. All right. So again, this is nothing new. It's been there for years, but a reminder, it's almost like we should go through settings every week, just pull out a setting and remind people about it. I think you're right. This is one big enterprise client walking through, uh, wanted to start going through ABM with them, showing them the features. Okay, here you go. Target accounts. Oh, hang on. Guys don't have any companies. Why don't you have any companies set up? Like no company, there's zero companies. Like that's really weird. They get created automatically. Hang on. Let me just check the setting. Oh, turned off. And so in the show notes, we've got a screenshot. It's a setting, folks. You just go into your data management objects and the companies tab and you turn it on. And it's basically automatically create and associate companies just based on the contact's email address, right? It's been there for ages. This was turned off on this particular client. Now, the reason was, we're, we're kind of tracing it back and I was asking, is this because you ha- deal with big departments, government departments or subsidiaries and things like that? Yes, that was the historical reason. The good news is that since that, there's actually a new option in that setting where you can opt out certain domains from this applying to. So I was just like, okay, let's get that list of opt out domains. Then let's turn this feature on because you really do want those companies to be created. Then, of course, all the other goodness flows through the companies. You get those company stats. So a reminder, listeners, that that setting's there. Make sure it's turned on and you'll get that extra insight in your portal. Couldn't agree more, Craig. And on to our HubSpot sales feature of the week. And this is, if you're using HubSpot sales professional enterprise, I'm loving the new sales analytics, Craig. Brings joy to my heart. But I'm going to highlight one 
report and it is the deal change history. And people often ask us, how do I know what's changed, right? And what this does, it really makes it easy for you to compare what's changing. And and you can do different time periods and deal amounts, stages, forecasts, close dates. What I wanted to highlight is the ability to quickly do this, but also to filter different salespeople being one of them or different sales teams and just be very clear. And you can even add this as a report to a dashboard. So I encourage you to check it out and play around with it. It can be confusing to start with. I, I did have confusion. And thank you to Elliot for dispelling some of that confusion. But I would encourage people to actually play with the different time ranges and see what is changing, because as you play with it, you will get more understanding into the importance of it. Let's just give a shout out to Elliot. So good to have him back. I know he took a little bit of uh, time off last year. I caught up with him last week and you, you caught up with him today. Yes. So good chatting with him. It Such is. a smart and helpful guy. He is a good egg. He's a good, good egg. I, I think that's a good good expression, is it? Where's get a, get a good egg? <laughs> Where's a good egg? Where's that come from? <laughs> but it's a term of endearment. And look, sorry for that distraction. Going back to these, these analytics reports, they're actually really good. I've just started trying to get my head around the whole sales forecasting features that have been rolling out. I think they're mainly in beta, although a lot of bottles have them. Really good. But like you said, yeah, kind of confusing at first. And then I'm now just getting up to speed to work out. You set up goals, then you track against them and you can do all kinds of forecasting based on various um, algorithms. Really interesting stuff. Uh, I'm not up to speed enough with it yet to kind of talk about it on the show, but it's definitely something that I'm I'm looking at at the moment. Very, very powerful stuff coming from HubSpot. Now on to our next simply powerful thing, Craig, the HubSpot service feature of the week. And this is to do with the feedback stream on the dashboard. And this is really useful for keeping an eye on all your service as your survey feedback and it makes it really easy to see. So we've actually added this to dashboards for the general manager and for people in customer service so they can see this stream of what's going on and be easily able to drill down. And it's been one of those little hidden gems that they love to see. So, And we'll put a screenshot in the show so you can see what's going on. All right, on to Hubspot Gotcha of the Week, Craig. And I'm sure we've spoken about this over the years where we could do it, now we can't do it, and we still can't do it. But this is about connecting your HubSpot to Shopify and the HubSpot products being synced into HubSpot and then having the ability to use those HubSpot, uh, sorry, the Shopify products in a HubSpot dealer quote. Now you can't do that. You can see it in a deal if that deal's been created or if that's been coming across from Shopify, right? you will see the deal and the products associated. But let's say we go create a deal and we then try to add those products into a deal. They cannot be found. So there is actually a community post about this and HubSpot say they're actively looking into it. Now, as we were talking before, I think this was available and then some changes took place and then it wasn't available. And so they are looking at re-implementing it. So there is an idea in on the HubSpot support Community forums. Yeah, I, I upvoted it and uh, you've got the link in the show notes to upvote it. It is kind of weird. You know, they they really went diving into the Shopify integration. It was looking very promising, I'm going to yes. say, four years ago, three yeah, years ago. Yeah, it was a while back. And they've really just, they've really neglected it. That's kind of weird. I, I guess they've got so many things to choose between and that maybe there was 
telemetry was showing there wasn't much interest. I don't know, but I would like to see that stronger. Uh, I've got a couple of Shopify you know portals that we're connecting, and yeah, it's just it's it's very it's almost a, they're not talking in an integrated fashion anymore. It's kind of weird. That's right. And so I think on the committee forum, the workaround was to ex- export the products from Shopify and load them into HubSpot as an import. Now for the problem I'm trying to solve for a customer of ours, not really viable because they're constantly adding products or they're selling products that are one-offs and they have to come off. So just the management of that could be a nightmare. So we are testing some other ways to do this. So stay... I guess stay listening because we might find an interim solution until this is becomes a feature. All right, now talking about a marketing tip, which is being wary of marketing stats, Craig. I know. Look, we've talked about this before. and In fact, in episode 151, probably a year or two ago, and I had a big rant about this. And it's this whole problem where blog posts and articles reference stats that well, feed the story that the article's trying to promote. When you dig into them, you find quite often they're from stats that are years old. They're from stats that are demographically not relevant. Sometimes they're just misrepresented, things like that. So here's the clincher. They often got a really small sample size. So, you know, they'll say 72% of of X people don't do Y, as if, you know, that's compelling. And then you look into the stat and they'll say, oh, on a, on a sample of 30 people, you know, it's like, what? That's, you know, it's no statistical confidence. Anyway, with that in mind, it was I was so glad to read on CXL, Conversion XL, this post called Lies, Damn Lies, and some marketing statistics. But Henneke talks about and gives some great examples highlighting this. Where you dig in, it's like, oh, that's from 12 years ago. That's irrelevant now. And so the point listeners, is of course, just be wary of these marketing stats. Don't make strategic decisions based on a stat that you read in a blog post until you've actually dived into it and checked the validity and the statistical confidence of that actual statistic. I think that's a very good point, Craig. And you know what's interesting is I think where we are in Australia, we generally don't tend to have a lot of stats based around our region. And a lot of the information we get is on larger markets like the US or Europe, right? And so that is interesting. We're often digging around to figure out where did this come from? And this is a very healthy thing to do when you're looking at, you know, blog posts and stats about things that are going on in the market before making the right or the wrong choice. Now, uh, inside of the week, Craig, we talked about strategy last week being about research and insights. And we're going to elaborate on this. And where do we start with strategy? Yeah, that's right. And I actually kind of want to talk a little bit more about strategy each week. I think we should be giving it a bit more focus rather than just the hands-on nuts and bolts with HubSpot. There's that whole integration of strategy and your implementation, your technology implementation, say with HubSpot. I was going through this with a client and we're kind of working out a plan for them. They want help with strategy. And, you know, when I said, oh, what's your definition of strategy? Going through... And so, I've come up with a little plan and I've called this the seven-month plan and this might be, could be, could be seven weeks, could be seven period times, but I've just called it seven months for the, for the sake of this discussion. So, here's just, and this is just a recommendation, I recommend starting with setting business goals and high-level objectives for the year. I think you've got to do this, you've got to understand it, and even if they're not fully clear on the numbers, they might not have the specific number 
at least they, if they know what it's about, is it revenue, is it leads, is it demos, is it whatever, having clear objectives. Because then the next part, month two, is tracking, reporting, and baseline analysis. Or part of that is conversion tracking, which we talked about in shot one, right? Yes. So unless you know your goals, it's actually a little bit of a disconnect trying to come up with conversion points because you, you actually report on all these conversion points that might not actually relate to your goals. So start with the goals, then there's the tracking, making sure that's in all in place. And then month three is when you get into content strategy, how it's going to drive those results. Content, of course, doesn't necessarily mean it's only blog posts, could be assets, could be Correct. pieces that are driving conversions. Then your social channels, month five is when you get into marketing automation and technology. So you can kind of see this whole, oh, we need nurture sequences and all that kind of thing. I actually leave that till a little bit later. I know a lot of people like to jump into that right at the start. They kind of go, oh, our strategy is this. We're going to nurture clients. Let's work out our nurture sequence. How are we going to automate it? I'm like, okay, fine. We can accelerate, but I normally leave that to later. Anything that's uh, got a high technology piece to it, try and leave that later. And then, of course, there's your outreach and optimization and then rinse and repeat. I actually put in month seven growth hacks. For many people, that's what they put in month one. We want the quick that's wins. Right. What's the growth hack? What's the, what's going to win this? I didn't mention this when we were talking in shot one earlier, but it's kind of like, oh, what's a quick way to drive leads? I'm like, let's make sure we're actually measuring those conversions correctly in the first place. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of obvious, but yeah, that's it. Anyway, that's an I overview. Know. That's a suggestion. You don't have to stick to that script, but hopefully that's uh, useful to listeners in just in terms of getting a bit of a plan in mind. Yes, I totally agree, Craig. Coming back to that point, I had a good story today where someone said they wanted to implement uh, lead scoring, but they didn't. They had like about one lead a week coming in. (laughs) Wasn't really fulfilling the brief right there. But so listeners, uh, the takeaway from this is you need more traffic, right? You need more leads before we think about implementing lead scoring. You implement lead scoring when you've got too much to handle and you need to work out which are the best ones you need to talk to. And I think Craig has very aptly highlighted the importance of doing things in a particular sequence to make get the best possible result. Now, Craig, our throwback of the week, what was going on a year ago? Well, uh, HubSpot was rolling out an update to their workflows that solved an issue we had encountered when you merge contacts. Yes. It used to be a problem because you know how they rolled out tools making merging contacts much easier, which was great, right? It's, oh, yeah, merging, ahoy, let's merge. It was great. But actually, there was a problem that quite often the merge contact re-triggered yes. workflow conditions and they were going through a workflow again. So, oh, suddenly a merge contact was getting, oh, thank you sequence for something they signed up for a year ago, right? It's like very weird. Anyway, HubSpot rolled out this setting in workflows when it gave you the option if two contacts emerged and they meet the trigger criteria, should it actually action it? And you can say yes or no. I'd by default say no. And I think that would be the default for most people. So good throwback, but a good reminder to people, check out that setting because it solved an issue. Is that something you need to set every time, Craig, when you're creating a workflow? I think the default is, is now is no by yeah. default. So you should be right in most cases. All right, listeners, here's a great reads of the week. And it's about removing backgrounds from images. And it's from a really simple site called remove.bg. Yeah. Remove.bg. You wouldn't <laughs> believe you. What are the chances that removes the background? So this is so handy, right? 
<laughs> so good. We have spoken about this before, Craig. I don't know if we've spoken about this tool, but we've spoken about this uh, need. And it's kind of like if someone will put on the Slack, they'll say, oh, does anyone know how to remove the background from some photos? And of course, you Google it and you go, remove background from photos. I think it's the first result. You click and it works. And it's kind of like, did you even Google this? <laughs> anyway, if you like most people and don't check things like that, here's the link for you. Fantastic. And if we have referred to it before, then Here's a good more, reminder. more fool me because I found it again. <laughs> it shows you, do you know where the problem is in this scenario? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted a tool. What are the chances I recommended it earlier? I used this tool I reckon before. Uh, well, yeah, maybe we should use that uh, search on the hubshots.com site. It's probably there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Craig, on to our quote of the week. And this is from Brian Norgard. He says, we overvalue people we don't know and undervalue people we do. Now, I'm sure he's not the first person to say that, but it's just happened to be in my Twitter feed. It's a very good reminder, isn't it? It is a good reminder. Now, you've also put a graphic below from Tim Urban. Yeah, Tim, who writes the Wait But Why blog. Have you read that? No, I haven't. He's done TED Talks and things. He's fantastic. But anyway, he's got this graph where it's like, how well I know the person on the x-axis versus my opinion of other people. Uh, I love how the opinion starts down at uh, demon. Person's a demon. <laughs> oh, I can't stand them. But over time, you get to know them and you find actually, you know, they're, they're human. My wife and I have chatted about this before. We kind of, you meet people and maybe you don't chat with them, but just you kind of see them across the room or you yes. hear them talking or something in the office and you kind of, you make an assumption on them. Oh, that guy's annoying or that person, you know? Yeah. And you kind of, you almost have this thing in your head where you hate them, right? Because you don't know them. And then you get to know them and you find, you know what? They're actually a person. They're doing their best they can. They're actually quite a nice person. And sometimes they become very close friends. You know what's interesting in this graph, listeners? So this one of the axes, it says, my opinion of other people starts at demon, goes to human, and then goes to angel, right? And how well do you know the person? And over time, what this graph shows that if you start at either end, a demon or angel, it all converges to human, right? Well, that's the flip side, right? You you don't know someone, you see them across the room, you think they're wonderful. Oh, this person's so smart. They're so great. Then over time, you're like, oh, actually, they're a flawed person like me. You know? <laughs> that's right. They're just normal. They're just human, you know, doing their best, making mistakes like we all do. And it's a good reminder to be empathetic. As we learn and know about, about others. All right, Cray, you got some cracker links of the week, and this is all to do with SEO. Because that's where the opportunities are, I think, in SEO. There's um, always new things to be learning. Surfer SEO, which is a tool we're starting to use, they've got a free writing course. Uh, it's free until the end of February. Then they're going to be charging, I think, about 200 bucks for it. So sign up now. It's quite good. And speaking of SEO, Shot12, jumping ahead, Brian Dean, talking on SEO in twenty. 21. He's the master at updating he his is. post every year for the year. I saw another study where someone was um, testing the effect in Google of just updating page titles yep. to like include the year and in some cases the month. And it did improve, Colin, because people like that kind of recency. Anyway, uh, not putting aside or putting aside that he's done that, the, the post itself is very good. thing I'll call out, the very first section, you know what he talks about? Core Web Vitals. Wow which we've been talking about recently and even last Correct. year, uh, last episode, we're chatting about this whole performance piece. If you haven't already connected with us, please connect with Craig and myself on LinkedIn and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. 
And if you've got something that would help others that we could share, we would love to hear from you too. And again, we do appreciate everybody listening to us. And we hope you have a great month. Until next time, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot. 